Hi everyone, Sean Paul Ellis here from the Saturday Morning Cartoons Podcast. Remember, that's morning with a U. Some quick pre-show announcements pertaining to the following. A thank you, what's happening in December, and what's actually happening on today's episode. For our thank you, Thanksgiving is all about a time of, of showing thanks, and I want to thank all of you who are listening to this. You guys and gals are amazing, and I really appreciate all of your outreach and response on all the shows that we've had as of late. I'm very thankful for all of you, and it turns out that we have managed to actually reach 125,000 downloads for the show, in which this is just crazy, and I can't thank you guys enough for listening. Just ridiculous. Just all my love. Thank you guys. In December, we've got the following. We've got Gundam 0080. Yep, no clue why I let Charlie Visconage talk me into this. There is a Christmas episode that's evidently in the series, which is only six episodes long. We're going to have that coming out on December 3rd. December 10th, we have another interview. Very excited, and I think that you're really going to dig this too, which means that we're also going to have another giveaway right before Christmas. December 17th, we're doing Rankin Bass Pinocchio's Christmas, which, oh man, I don't know. This one could be the, the make or break for all of Rankin Bass that's out there. Should be a lot of fun and coming to you right before Christmas. And then in January of 2019, which is crazy to say, we're going to be right back here with New Year's Nicktoons. So what is happening on today's episode? Everyone has to go through puberty. I know, everyone has to go through puberty. And all of our experiences are a wonderful combination of bizarre, awkward, satisfying, horrifying. It runs the entire gambit. That's right. We are watching the Netflix original series, Big Mouth, and I'm joined by Isabel Galbraith and Alex Beard to talk about whether or not Big Mouth should be our new sex ed curriculum. All of that and more on today's episode. So now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoons, the podcast that revisits, reviews, and ridicules some of the world's weirdest animated series. Coming to you all the way from the pituitary gland, I'll be your awkward and self-conscious host, Sean Paul Ellis. Joining me today, sporting a solid unibrow and a smattering of wispy hair on his upper lip, we have DC-based actor Alex Beard. Hey. (laughs) How's everybody doing? (laughs) Thanks, Alex. (laughs) Sorry, I had to move my hairs off my lip for a second there. <laughs> they so I are could talk. They they're are just, very gross. They're about six inches long. Oh. There's only about four of them. <laughs> it looks like a bad comb over. I mean, you got to floss somehow. Oh. <laughs> and you're hearing her giggle right now. Returning to the show, uh, someone who is waiting on her first kiss and wondering whether or not you put your tongue underneath the other tongue. We have DC-based improviser Isabel Galbraith returning to the show. Welcome back, Isabel. Thanks. Hey, everybody. Man, if this intro could not have been weirder or any grosser, (laughs) it wouldn't have been adolescence. (laughs) We are, of course, talking about Netflix's show Big Mouth, which is all about puberty and adolescence. So if these are any things that you're just like, oh, this is conjuring up terrible memories of everything that I used to be when I was a kid, this is now your option to just fast forward and abandon this episode. But if you're a weird creepo like we are and you want to talk about puberty... Stick around. This is going to get weird. We have to start with really the, the ultimate question that is going to sort of set the, the scaffolding 
for everything that we're going to talk about tonight is what was puberty like for you? So Isabel, what, what was puberty like for you? I think I had an unusual experience in that I was a very bookish kid and very much like out of step with my peers. So when everyone else was like listening to NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys, I was listening to the Beatles and I was reading like Little House on the Prairie. So I was just very nerdy and sheltered. So when puberty happened, I pretty much stuck my nose in a book and pretended it wasn't happening. So I was really like um, ignoring it. And so it was only when other people would mention it to me that I would kind of be like, huh. I remember in ninth or yeah, ninth grade, my friend Grace made a comment about like how my breasts had gotten bigger. And I was literally like, what? Like I hadn't noticed. I had not noticed. I hadn't. It was like swoop right over my head. All of it was like that. So I just. Puberty, you're saying. All of puberty was just. Okay. Was over your head. It was. It went past me. I mean, it happened, but I didn't. I didn't clock it happening, you know? I mean, I definitely had embarrassing moments, you know? Um, and I think to further prove this point, I didn't have my first kiss until senior year of high school. So, like, I was just very... Nothing weird about that. Okay. <laughs> Nothing weird about that at all. Okay, Sean. <laughs> you want to tell us about your first kiss? <laughs> no, no. I, I, but I won't get that awkward into everything just yet. So, yeah, mine was just kind of I was in the dark and... Um, I'm curious to hear if you guys were more like aware of what was happening to you because I was just pretending it wasn't. Alex, you are smiling like <laughs> you had the worst puberty experience, which could also be the best puberty experience. Well, I mean, I'm still going through it. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's we're we're all going through these changes in our bodies. And uh, sometimes, you know, they happen sooner in others, uh, you know. So here I am growing my uh, wispy hairs on my my upper lip, <laughs> using them to floss every day. Hoping one day that my testicles descend. <laughs> but, you know, who knows? Maybe that's not connected. Going to be very honest with you. If that hasn't happened now, you should run to a doctor. <laughs> All right. I'll we'll see take you, guys, you. I'll see you guys later. Uh, uh, yeah, no. So going through and like thinking back about puberty, I honestly think I was one of those kids who just, I was just a big old loser. You know, but like not like a lose, like I was a loser in my own mind. I think I just was like a person and everyone else's, uh, you know, a lot of self-defeating behaviors, things like that. Uh, but when I, when I think about myself and going through puberty, I, I always really connected with, uh, freaks and geeks, mm -hmm. man, those boys and freaks and geeks. Like I wasn't a nerd, uh, when I was in, I mean, maybe I was, I did drama. What a loser! Um, but uh, well, don't don't you don't have to worry. I'm gonna I'm yeah. gonna dig into that in mine. Uh, but uh, you know, it wasn't like I wasn't like a kid who played D and D. Although I'm sure I probably would love it. Uh, I wasn't <laughs> like a kid who played a bunch of video games. And you know, I just I never got into that. So like, I think I was the person who did not put like everyone talks about that cliche of like, oh, you just got to put yourself out there. Did not put myself out there. <laughs> probably would have had uh, you know a, a better time if I would have put myself out there. Um, so I just like, I, I don't want to say I recluse. I just hang out. I, I was hanging out with friends and like thinking all of these what ifs that just never came to be. Uh, so it was a little lonely. Uh, first kiss when I was in 10th, oh, no, 11th grade. Okay. So yeah, first kiss when I was in 11th grade, uh, still, still a virgin to this day. <laughs> Looking forward to that wedding night. Yep. Yep. Just waiting, saving it. Saving it. It's like, uh, it's like you know, Hercules with that hair? That's what I'm doing with my upper lip. As soon as it gets cut, I either die or 
You lose your I lose, you lose I lose my virginity. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was snip. actually I think that was Samson and not Hercules. Yeah, but oh. but the cartoon Hercules they did that. <laughs> so <laughs> Disney's just rewriting history yeah, in I terms mean, of everything that they could do. Whatever floats your boat, you know? <laughs> it's a haircut. Yeah. It's a haircut. Uh, or just a way you lose your virginity. Everybody, I think we can agree, parables are weird. <laughs> <laughs> my my puberty experience, I felt, was a little bit of a combination of both of yours. So when uh, when I was going into middle school, I hit that very awkward phase where uh, the summer from fifth to sixth grade, I uh, I got glasses and I got braces. Oh. All at the same time. And so I was like, oh, no. Double whammy. Yeah. yeah, really double whammied me. I'm sorry you haven't gotten them off to this day. I just can't take them off. <laughs> I don't know how to get rid of them. <laughs> also, orthodontists won't work with me because they're just like, this is far out of the warranty. <laughs> and it's, Things are and rusted it, shit. It's surprised you don't have lockjaw. <laughs> and they're like, it's gross and we don't want to touch it. But, you know, again, some people, you know, from the traits that they picked up in puberty refuse to brush their teeth. So yeah. I don't see what the problem is. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I was going to uh, my my dad and my mom had split when I was uh, like six or seven. My dad was doing the the whole weekend warrior thing uh, with my sister and I, and so on a lot of those uh, weekends where kids that were in that sixth, seventh, eighth grade were were going to the movies together on like a Friday night, or they were going to a sporting event, and at that time they may have like smoked their first cigarette, or had to drink a beer, or kiss somebody, or kind of had that social interaction with the opposite sex i was at my dad's place and i was i was doing art stuff like i was like i was drawing or i was uh, playing video games or i was probably playing dungeons and dragons i played magic the gathering for a very long time uh and so i, I kind of again had that sort of removed experience where that socialization for me that should have happened in middle school didn't really occur until i started doing theater at the very end of eighth grade and even then it became hard because I was a guy who could could perform, who could act, I could dance and I could sing. Well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Yep. No problem. Just gotta I, keep I, you in check. Nah. Just gotta keep me humble. So yep. I, I could I was able to do those things at a young age, but I was teased uh, by other guys that I was doing it with, and I was called pejorative terms for people who would be in a same-sex male relationship. And that happened to me pretty much all throughout a majority of high school. Uh, And and it was was challenging, and so I I didn't really enjoy that experience. So not only was it sort of delayed, uh, the puberty kind of felt, and a lot of the interaction was sort of delayed by like a good three to four years, but then to kind of be teased, and I, I did a finally eventually meet a group of friends that I was able to socialize with, that I was able to kind of hang out with and, and feel comfortable. Uh, but then when I went to college, it was sort of having the, the rug swept out from under me. So those high school experiences of socializing with people kind of then transitioned into college. So I, I kind of always felt like I was three to four years behind in terms of those socializations. And so it wasn't even until after I had graduated college that I started to really feel comfortable um, with myself, with who I am and sort of have more kind of opinions and and direction in terms of what I wanted to do, how I wanted to act. And I think a lot of it for me came down to kind of having sort of those those firm opinions about that resolve as a human of what I wanted or, or what I kind of believed in. Like I started making 
ideas for myself and being like this this is what i i feel i want to i want to believe in right now granted i was reading a lot of weird shit at that time so those you know i think probably uh 24 year old me and 38 year old me completely different people uh, in terms of what was happening but i mean i don't even think it was until a lot of us started performing in the dc area uh together even you know where it was like I finally felt like I was getting better at being able to do sort of stuff that I was an adult uh, or I think was an expectation of an adult. In some cases, I felt like I was almost having like a second, I almost kind of felt like I was having a second puberty uh, mm. for those parts where I was just like, oh, I'm still very awkward around people. And even even now, there are just moments where I will be completely excited and happy to hang out with people. But now I know my limit. I like I know my limit to a point where I can be like, I've had a great time and I need to go home and not be around anybody. And so I think it sort of was that weird kind of uh, understanding of I'm not an introvert and I'm not an extrovert. I kind of really sit in between the middle. And, uh, and I didn't have that when I was a kid. I thought, everybody thought I was an extrovert. They were like, you need to get out there. You need to put yourself into things. You need to put yourself out there, really kind of dig in, double down on it. And that there were parts of that that just felt like it destroyed me. Like mm. I didn't understand that I could kind of have that moment where I could kind of remove myself from the equation, kind of recharge and kind of relax a little bit. Mm. Mine's been kind of weird. I'm still going through puberty, guys. Yep. <laughs> me too. <Still>. I'm done. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Yeah. <laughs> Even if it did happen again, Isabel, like the first time you would have been like, I read a book That's and true. I ignored it and it flew right over my flew head. right by. Didn't matter. Didn't, didn't, didn't. <laughs> no impact. <laughs> we are talking about Big Mouth. And so if you are not familiar with this show, let's give you some history. So Big Mouth is an American animated adult sitcom that was created by Nick Kroll, Andrew Goldberg, Mark Levine, and Jennifer Flackett. Based on Kroll and Goldberg's tweenage years growing up in Westchester County, New York, and with Kroll voicing his actual fictional self. The first season consisting of 10 episodes premiered on Netflix on September 29th, 2017, and the second season was recently released on October 5th of 2018. So this has not been a show that's been out for very long. We have mm-hmm. two seasons, a total of 20 episodes that are available, uh, and all of this is streaming right now for your, uh, for your binge-worthy addiction on Netflix. If you are not familiar with the contents of this show, and if our puberty stories haven't scared you off at this point, (laughs) Isabel is going to help us out with a little bit of the synopsis for the show. Yes. So this series follows a group of seventh graders, including best friends Nick Birch and Andrew Glauberman, as they navigate their way through puberty, masturbation, and sexual arousal in the suburbs of New York City. Acting as sex-based shoulder angels are the hormone monsters. Maurice, who pesters Andrew and occasionally Nick and Jay, and Connie, who pesters Jesse and occasionally Missy. Throughout the series, the kids interact with people and objects who are personified in one way or another and offer helpful, albeit confusing, advice in their puberty-filled lives, including the ghost of Duke Ellington, a French-accented Statue of Liberty, a pillow capable of getting pregnant, and even Jesse's own genitals. Very, very weird combination that if you were to say, we're going to put this into a cartoon. I don't think that I would have wanted to watch it. Yeah. Or, or I may have thought, I'm going to watch a lot of this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have to be a psychopath to want to enjoy this. 
It's very true. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it is it is a challenging uh, it is a challenging conversation to have about puberty in general, and we're going to get a little bit more into that during the the plot discussion that we have for tonight. But to kick off our discussion for this show, we have to obviously jump into the theme song. And to help us kick us off with her impressions of the theme song, Isabel. What? No. What? What? An impression of the theme song? No, just your, impre- oh, oh, your impressions. I thought you were wanting me to do an we impression want you to do of a, it. We want you to do a rendition, oh, a full rendition of the song. Um, I love the theme song. This is totally my kind of music. It's like soul music. It's, you know, we already talked about how it sounds like James Brown. It might be my favorite thing about the show is the theme song. Really? Yeah. Just a little foreshadowing. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Hot take. Yeah. Jeez. Pretty sick burn. Uh, any, any additional final thoughts about the theme song? Could be your favorite thing. My favorite thing. Wow. All right. Alex, what do you got? Yeah, I, I really love the uh, theme song. Uh, once I had, I had heard it, I didn't even start with the, the first episode. I paused it and was like, who is this? <laughs> like, what is, what is this magic that I just heard? Uh, so I looked it up and was like, oh, Charles Bradley. I've never heard of this guy before. And then when I was digging through, I was like, oh, oh this makes so much sense. Like James Brown, Brown impersonator back in the day as uh, Black Velvet. Um, and, and just like so many different television shows recently that... Uh, his music has been featured on uh it's one of those things where it's like a a smooth buttery soulful track where when i first heard it i was like how have i never heard this before i know this is from the 70s guaranteed like why is this not getting radio play but it's it's fresh i mean it's not that old no it's not and I, i think the thing that about charles bradley that really is interesting is that he had been working and performing and as a, as a large part of his life for decades. And he didn't really get to a point where he had reached critical acclaim or success. And then once he kind of got to that status where, you know, he was doing like a Spotify session a couple years ago, and we're talking like 2015, 2016, it was very shortly after that he found out that he was actually diagnosed with stomach cancer. Mm. And so he passed away actually in the time frame that Big Mouth aired originally on Netflix. So September of 2017 is when he passed away. Wow. But the, I think, and I guess maybe what makes the story so sad, but also like so soulful and, and rewarding at the same time is that he finally did hit that pinnacle uh, and and he knew that like his time was was up and he just continued to perform and have a great time. Mm-hmm. You know, from everything I've been able to to read and gather about his life is that he just he hit that point where he was like, I'm going to I'm going to leave it all out on the stage. I'm going to have a great performance. And I mean, that's that's what you want, you know, to hear that kind of soul in the modern era, like in the, the 20 teens. That seems like, again, like something that should have happened during the 70s. And you think to yourself again, like, how the fuck have I missed this for so long? Because it's it's such a, a perfect amount of vocal burn and just grittiness on the end of his voice. It's I think it's, in his honor, we should all three of us sing it right now. <laughs> At least that opening part. <laughs> I'd almost want to, but I'm afraid that, no, we're gonna you, do it. that that YouTube would just be like, you can't publish your videos anymore <laughs> oh. because you keep copywriting these oh. things. So thanks a lot, YouTube, hmm. for giving us these copyright restrictions. Crushing it. Just you're doing fantastic. Uh, I will say this, uh, I think what leads to the success is not only the music, the visual component to this. This is dedicated animation that you will not see used or recycled in any of the episodes. 
So they obviously had a lot of confidence going into this from the get-go of saying, we are going to spend a lot of time, we're going to invest the effort into being able to do this. You get a visual uh, kind of introduction of a lot of the characters, uh, but they're not kind of lined up with their names or even the actors that they have. Yeah, that, that really confused me when I first watched it. I was like, wait second that was not the right name it, for the right character at one point when they're like zooming in on jesse when she's having like a moment it's like jason, jason manzukis <laughs> yep. yeah yeah and i was like jason manzukis is probably watching this with like uh, a silhouette of somebody's boobs and he's like all right <laughs> yeah just Perfect. like a dreamed yeah <laughs> all right what's up jerks you know so he's probably loving that moment but uh, you know it's they do a good job of kind of introducing this with the the music everything that they have layered on top. I'd say that this is probably one of the best theme songs that I've, I've heard and watched in a very long time, minus the sort of the, the roll call or introduction for these characters, because there are a lot of characters. But I'll say probably my favorite moment at the very end of the theme song is that moment where you see Andrew and Nick out kind of in this field, being kids, enjoying themselves, and you see them smiling, and then all of a sudden there's the hormone monster shadow over top of them, and you immediately see those like frowns, just smiles disappear. They're both like, oh no, what have we gotten ourselves into? And then the show begins. Their yeah. eyes get really big, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I don't like the moment where a hand flicks the fallopian tube or whatever it is. I don't <laughs> yeah. even know what part it is. And then the, it's the, the female, uh, or Connie, or kind yes, of like the silhouette of her fingers, she kind of like flicks, flicks the, it, and then the drop comes out. But I do like the way the drop of blood looks, and then it says Maya Rudolph, and it's on a splotch of blood. Mm -hmm. It looks cool. Yeah, yeah, everything is so stylized in yep. it. But yep. the the visuals are obviously at some point very uncomfortable. Like just to pull into somebody's armpit and see a Ooh, bunch of hair. I hate that one. <laughs> yeah, that's what my face looks like. Yeah, for all, all you at home, <laughs> just four. Yeah, it's just four long scraggly, dangly. Hairs. Yeah, I look like uh, I look like. Uh, the squid pirate from Pirates <laughs> of the Caribbean. Yes. You know what I'm talking about? Davy Jones? Davy Jones, yeah, yes. that's his name. The guy with the locker. <laughs> the guy with the this locker. is related to the episode at hand here, people. <laughs> there are lockers in middle school. Thank you very much. Wow, wow you really did a full pivot on yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> I have full control. <laughs> of Over everything except that upper lip. That's right. Yeah. It is disgusting. Yep. You need to wax it. I do. Gross. Uh, Moving on, we're going to get into the animation. And so uh, was there a contemporary cartoon that this made you think of? Was there, did you enjoy this animation style? Anything particular that you liked about it, Isabel? Um, I think it reminded me a little bit of Family Guy or American Dad a little bit in the drawings yep. of the characters. Um, but yeah, I, I, I didn't love it or hate it. Just fine. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I it's interesting because i feel like we ride through like waves of style uh and we're in this like style right now where everything is like hard color no gradient like it's just like firm lines uh, and i don't mind it either way um i think it's easy to watch visually um but it's not like the intro is more complex than any of the episodes which also makes sense i mean it takes a lot of work to animate right so <laughs> You can spend more time on a 15 second or 30 second intro than you can the intricate details of each episode. Sure. But yeah, I like it. No, I, I agree with you as well, Isabel. I felt like there was some American dad kind of family guy style. It's very interesting to see this almost contrast with two weeks ago when we had talked about Bojack Horseman because there are certain characters that have almost like a watercolor gradient mm -hmm. underneath some of the characters and certain parts. 
Yeah. Uh, but again, to Alex's point, it does have that very solid color, minimal shadow. It's like Bob's Burgers-ish. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, but I think the thing that's nice about it is that it, it's, nothing seems too bright, nothing's too offensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do a really good job of using uh, color, uh, especially kind of with a lot of the the anthropomorphized characters. The the kids that we have with this are very kind of like blue and green, uh, purples, reds that they have that kind of really pop and stand out uh, to help you identify those specific characters. And then you contrast that with something that's a little bit more of an earth tone with these hormone monsters. They do a good job of finding and striking balance visually in terms of the color palette that they use. So I, I do appreciate that. Yeah. I like that my voice is just getting so hoarse. I just feel like I'm falling. I feel like I'm falling right into Maurice right now. Oh, no, scary. <laughs> is that what you want? I mean, no. I think you are my Maurice. Is that what I? Oh my god! I'm gonna sprinkle on a little bit of uh, nocturnal seminal emissions right there. Oh. There you go. <laughs> you gotta wait until later to enjoy that. All right. <laughs> what do I do about what happened now? <laughs> you you sit in it, you filthy animal. Oh god. <laughs> Speaking of some of these characters, Horma Monster. You know, Nick, Andrew, all these characters that we have, we have a pretty interesting cast of, of people. And we could go through a lot of them, but the big question that I want to ask us tonight is, is there somebody from the cast in the show that you identify with? And the reason is because I think that this show does a great job of giving you some tropes and some standard stereotypes for people who were in middle school, but not not grossly abusing those stereotypes they do a good job again of really kind of striking that balance uh and going after good specific jokes that they have that are available and so uh is there a character that you you kind of identify with because again i feel i could either be any one of these characters or i knew somebody who was that character you know who was sort of that jay i did know a jay it was real gross Ugh. yeah yuck i i am almost hesitant to tell this story but it was a it was a friend who like and this was in high school mm-hmm. who you'd be like hanging out and then you'd look over and he would have uh, he would have pulled his scrotum over top of his penis oh. and he would be waiting for people to just look he at would him just create the egg yeah oh. <laughs> he called I think he called out the fallout shelter oh <laughs> god and like he would he would like and this was even before Ryan Reynolds did the sh- uh, the movie. Um, waiting mm-hmm. where like they're talking about like the the, the bat wing and like yeah. and somebody's like t- testicles and that and they're like it's so veiny and mm. so and it just be kind of came one of those like gross things that you would hear everybody in college mm-hmm. say at some point it mm-hmm. sort of became a part of that collegiate zeitgeist for that period of time and and I, we weren't even at that point this was like 90s late 90s high school and somebody's Oh, he called it the bomb shelter. The bomb shelter. <laughs> Not the fallout shelter. He called it the bomb shelter. I mean, both are the same. <laughs> but, I mean, yes. But it was just gross because you turn around and you'd see it and be like, ah. And the penis was in the shelter? Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Glad he didn't call it the fallout boy. <laughs> <laughs> and then like a little pop punk action. This is the Pete Wentz just pops out. <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> and he's just like, dance, dance. And you're like, don't. Don't do Stop. that. Stop it. Stop please. it. He's like, you guys want to go hang out under the cork tree? Nope. It's pubic hair. You're like, no, <laughs> no, no, I don't. Please. I don't. These are all the fallout reference boy yeah. or fallout boy <laughs> references that I know. Yeah. This is it. We peek here. I know none. <laughs> <laughs> so Isabel, any particular character that you, you identified with, was there anybody that you felt kind of was going along the journey that you had when you were in middle school or 
simply was there a character that you were like that was my favorite character hands down i think i more have more of a favorite character than one that was like me but andrew was definitely my favorite character and andrew's parents okay i might feel like i identify most with his mother (laughs) 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 but no andrew has that like you know i'm jewish he he's jewish right in the show Mm -hmm. yeah and just that kind of you know neurotic nerdy um a little bit uptight you know he's more of a rule follower than nick and is a little slower to be gross you know he's a little more i don't know he seems less gross Mm -hmm. than nick or jay and so you think no i I think there are uh i think because that character because the andrew character is going through puberty uh earlier than some of his friends that he is definitely in that moment where he's just like i'm gonna masturbate to everything that's true so is that what you're trying to say (laughs) Um, I wasn't going to admit it. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's more of his, like, I wrote down a line. His ideal date was like Hamilton and then going to Starbucks after. I mean, it's that kind of like. It's pretty good. Sweet nerdiness that I really like. Um, Yeah, he was definitely my favorite. So it seems like it's more of sort of the, the ideals and sort of wants and desires as opposed to sort of the. The, the hormone-induced kind of craziness that he was going through yes. at that time. Yes. Understood. Great. Alex, anybody that you identified with or anybody that you absolutely loved? Yeah. So I think I identify the most with, uh, and this is this is fun, uh, I think I probably identify the most with Coach Steve. Oh. <laughs> uh, so when I was a kid, this is great. I love this. Uh, when I was a kid, I always had this fear in the back of my mind that I might be like developmentally disabled in some way, shape, or form. What? And the fear is that no one would ever tell you. Oh. And what if you didn't have the cognitive abilities to figure it out? So I had this benchmark in my mind created that was, well, if this was true, they wouldn't give me a license to drive. So I waited until then. And then I was like, no, I'm good. Oh. I got my driver's license. And I was like, I'm set. So a state-issued ID was sort of your benchmark. That was my, that was my benchmark. Oh, Jesus. That I'm okay. But, but I mean, you know, Coach Steve goes through those same problems. But it's, just, it's very interesting because you, you confessed to me earlier that your license had been taken away. Yeah. So I think I might be still in the same oh, boat. <laughs> still waiting to see if the, uh, yeah. the appeals process is going to... Still waiting. <laughs> Everyone, I mean, I do have a handler, so I'm just trying to figure it out. Oh, my God. Day to day, you know? <laughs> trying to figure it out. I feel like you're past that point. I feel like you know that you're you're in a good place. Oh yeah. Oh definitely. Okay, good. Yeah. I'm there are moments where I'm just like, I don't see a smile in the corner of his mouth, so I wonder if he's being very serious about it. It's this. like, do we need to support him in this yeah. moment? Right. Should this challenging time. Does him the, on the shoulder. Yeah. Does this podcast just become sort of a gratuity circle? <laughs> I gotta say, just so it's not offensive, it wasn't one of those things where I was like, This is a definite, but it was like a one I don't even want to say a one. It was like a 0.5% possibility. It was, an, it was just like a rumination in the back of the mind. Like, this, this, like it could be true. It no. could be true. Would we ever know? But you, you get obsessed at like a young age yeah. about those things. You know, yeah. you, you get I'm neurotic about things. When you said ruminate, like I used to just ruminate about weird things. Like, I still do. Yeah, I still do. Like, and it, it becomes not necessarily a, a compulsion for me, but I, I have to. I have a problem sometimes where I feel like I don't do a lot during a day. And so I've had to write everything actually out or use like one of those like note apps that kind of shows all the tasks that I'm doing. So when I select them and click everything off at the end of the day, I'm like, 
oh my God, I actually did do a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I think a lot of people go through that. And I, I think it's, it's very easy to point out failures throughout the day. And then conversely, it's very challenging to say, oh, this was successful. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody wants to talk about a success. It's far easier and you get more emotional over a failure than you do an actual success. And so showing that little bit of appreciation, I think sometimes is kind of crazy. But I, I used to be neurotic about that. I still am a little bit kind of crazy about it and, and use like, you know, different apps like Wonderlist to, to kind of like peg things out for myself. Cause I'm like, if I don't do all of this today, yeah, mm-hmm. what's going to happen tomorrow? I'm like, mm-hmm. and, and then I, I had somebody put it into context with me. This was, uh, this was maybe like six years ago. I was working for, for somebody, former military. It was a Friday afternoon. It was like four 30 and he's like, Hey, I'm packing up and I'm leaving the office. And I was like, all right, cool. He's like, what are you, what are you doing? I'm like checking email, writing some code. And he's like, you, you got to get out of here. And I'm like, no, I got like a little bit more to do. I got like another couple hours. He's like, look, if you don't finish this today, does anybody die? No. Yeah, go home. Mm. Go home and enjoy yourself. Mm. He goes, unless it's like mission critical and somebody's going to die, if there's a life on the line, you can always do it tomorrow. What happens if there's never a life on the line? Though? <laughs> I, don't, I guess I don't know. Ugh, what am I doing with my life? Again, I feel like this is becoming a support group for you. I know. I just want to talk also about how I have worried sometimes that I'm on the autism spectrum and I don't know it. Like the same thing. Like no one's told me. No one's diagnosed it. I'm slowly self-diagnosing it is sometimes what I worry because I love animals so much. That's usually my first thing. (laughs) Like I just love animals so much. That seems like a big sign. Of autism? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Isn't it? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not an is. expert. Yeah, I'm not. A, I'm yeah. not an expert. I think Temple Grandin. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I know. I know. I've. I've heard. I've heard professionals say that everyone's a little bit on the spectrum. Right. Like it is a spectrum for a reason. Mm-hmm. Sure. No. You I got, totally you got understand. Both ends. You know. Mm-hmm. You know. I, I, some I, of us are just Coach Steve, and some of us are Andrew, and <laughs> oh my god, some of us are what? It, yeah. Who, who, who are, are you? you? Who are you? Oh God. Uh, I'm. Pr- Probably a combination of Nick Birch and Jay Blazarian. I see that. I think uh, sort of the logical kind of approach and kind of focus of the Nick character of just saying like, these are the things I'm going to do. And like, even if something feels like I have to now be the bigger person in a situation, I'm just going to go and I'm going to do it. Yeah. I'm going to go, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get it done. Um, but then there's definitely kind of like a weird uh, more perverse side to me every once in a while, which is the J character where I'm just like, I could be really dirty right now. Yeah. <laughs> am I in an appropriate audience to be able to do this? Oh, I am great. Let it go. <laughs> you know, but if I'm not, it's like, <sighs> how are your mandatory community service hours? going? It's going great. <laughs> good. Good. Glad. Glad yep. to hear that. Learned a big lesson from yep. that one. Yep. <laughs> There's just some bad choices. Everyone, <laughs> Wrong audience. I mean, everyone has that happen from now on. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, it, it's it's challenging too because, like, you know, I'm I'm uh, I, I'm around a lot of people for work on a regular basis, and so there are those moments like where somebody will say something, and I'm like, that person does not know how to read a room. Mm-hmm. Like that person does not get the social clues or contexts of what's happening in this space. They yeah. should have abandoned ship. Five minutes and they're still talking. Cool. But that's why I love the phrase read the room because in yeah. three little words you can be like, hey. <laughs> yep. It's it's hard though. Like when you, especially, you know, for, for being somebody in their late 30s to work with people who are like 10, 15, 20 years older than you and just be like, you guys got to read the room better. True. It's hard. And, you know, because a lot of people will just kind of get set in their ways. I think sometimes 
because of the actor and improv training that we've had, uh, I think that we're a little bit more empathetic sometimes to kind of notice those things. Well. Or sometimes we're, uh, let's put it in a, in a way that <laughs> Alex can get this. Yeah, dumb uh, it down for me. Come on. Yeah, yeah dumb it down. Um, sometimes. Uh, we listen you, good. <laughs> okay, I got it. I understand now. Now you're talking my language. We do listen well, but we also know sometimes like in those conversations, like when we can uh, exploit it. Mm. And so we were kind of on both sides where it's yep. like, do I use this power for good? Do I use it for evil? Evil so, 99.9% yeah. of the time for me. <laughs> Not going to lie. <laughs> no, I have two personalities. I have like a personality at work that is very different than who I actually am. Wow. I like have like flips of the coin. I like when people call me that know me well and I'm at work, it's like, they're like, you're at work, aren't you? They can hear your, your they can voice. hear it in my voice. It's a Jekyll Hyde. Yeah, it is. It's hard to live and be two people. Oh, I want you guys to know. It, does, does anyone want to just like uh, ignore the rest of this episode and just help me? Yeah. <laughs> this is a cry for help. This is a cry for help. <laughs> no, I, I will say this though. Like professionally, you know, there, I spent a lot of time uh, kind of hiding uh, my particular interests and my performance endeavors uh, from coworkers. And I wouldn't talk about them. I would not talk about, you know, podcasting. I wouldn't talk about performing on stage. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't talk about any of the sketch shows that I was doing. I wouldn't even plug the fact that ooh, 10, 11 years ago, I was doing stand-up and going to open mics. Ooh. I would not talk about that to almost anybody. I know it was terrible. <laughs> it was not. It was, again, it was like, it was maybe, that, yeah. was, that moment was maybe third and fourth puberty rolled oh. into one. It yeah. was like, how awkward and bad can I get? It's probably really confusing for people in my work because I still talk about doing shows but i like play this like more straight straight uh laced character and so they're probably like man this guy's got to be bad yeah he's, <laughs> he's not, funny not funny at all funny. Yeah. he's way too serious <laughs> what's going on with that guy i feel the same way is that you know i because i was hiding a lot of those things i felt like for a long period of time i was leading sort of this double life where end of the day i would kind of wrap up everything that i was doing driving to dc and actually like have fun yep with yeah. what was going on and I, I wasn't doing that at work and I, I think finally I've gotten to that point where I'm sort of the same person at work as well as also at home and in kind of artistic endeavors and so that kind of feels that feels nice. Mm. I'm a very different person with my friends than I am with my parents and actually one of the things thinking about Big Mouth that's kind of cool is that the kids even as they're going through these changes are doing it are talking about some of it in front of the parent characters without too much self-consciousness. Whereas yeah, right. I remember trying to be very distant from my parents with anything remotely, you know, like we wouldn't like sitting around the dinner table. I would never bring up a guy I had a crush on, or I would never talk about a friend dating someone or something, you know? I, I think this brings us as a great segue into talking a little bit more about the plot. And I think a question that I want to throw out to all of us is what was that sex talk like mm -hmm. with your parents? So mine didn't have a talk. They got me a book. <laughs> okay. All right. No, no, no. That's, I, that's how mine happened as well. Really? Okay. Yeah, 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 and yeah. so this was young. This was when I was still living in Aspen Hill. So it was like uh, third grade maybe, like seven or eight, you know, like pretty young. Wow. Yeah. And they um, got me this book and it was a very like 1970s looking book. I wish I could remember the title. I just remember that there were like illustrations of men and women kind of like arms around each other, like not showing anything explicit, but it was very much in the style of like free to be you and me, you mm. know, like, um, and they gave it to me with like zero explanation that I remember. And I read it and then I had a friend over and I was excited to show her the book, you know, 
And then I, later my parents got mad at me because I wasn't supposed to show it to anyone. But I didn't uh-huh. know that, you know. It was an unspoken rule. Yeah. That wasn't very fair. Oh. But I, I feel like what happened with you is what happens with a lot of people is that either somebody has a, an older sibling and that sibling kind of tells you or finds out or you find out about it rather early mm-hmm. and then you educate a friend and then yeah. a friend tells a friend and then everybody gets bad information and then you're like, what have we done? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I know for me, uh, mine was fifth grade. So not too far off from yours, but I grew up with this kid who he had an older brother who went to middle school and he had had some sex education classes and I guess had probably stolen a porno from somebody or something like mm-hmm. that. And, uh, you know, had had shown or had talked about it to his brother and then his brother, his name was Alan. Alan then was in my grade. And I, I remember like we were at in lunch and he, Alan was like, you guys heard about sex? <laughs> Psst. Yeah. And it was like me and like one other person and we're like, what? And he's like, he's like come on in, let me tell come you about sex. Here. And he like got, like we, he had this like conversation. He's like, this is what I know so far. And we were like, what? Did he have it right? Uh, I think most of it, you know, I, I, so the, again, I took it and let it just ruminate in my brain. I was like, what the fuck is this thing? Like, how does this happen? I didn't know really what it was. And I got so confused about it that one night I woke up uh, and my mom was still downstairs and she, you know, single mom. She is the only person home. She's like wrapping up her day. And I walked down into the kitchen and she's there. And I was like, hey, mom, what's up? Um, so I heard that there's like this sex thing. <laughs> what is it? And like a fucking champion, she reached behind uh, like a divide that was in the kitchen and pulled out a book and was like, I'm gonna, she's like, it's a good question. I have this book uh, over the next like couple weeks, like every night after your sister goes to bed, because she was like three years younger. She's like, we're going to read a chapter of this book. Wow. Like we're going to read a chapter, help you understand it. And there were parts in that book that were even about like general masturbation. Like you said, right over my head. I was like, I don't even understand this. I don't even get it. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think I was in middle school or I was probably in high school and some kid was outside and he was just like looking at a bunch of us and he was an upperclassman and he's looking at a bunch of like ninth graders and he's like, you guys masturbate? And we're all like, no, no, no. <laughs> he's like, that's gross. Why don't you masturbate? And we're like, oh, we said the wrong thing. <laughs> And we were so, we were like, oh, damn it. We should have said We've yes. made mistakes. But I mean, whatever we would have said, he would have said gross to it anyway. Yeah. So yeah. we would have, I mean. You probably made the right choice. Yeah, we were not going to win. But yeah. does that, did that encouragement send you home thinking, I should try this? I was in ninth grade, so I was, oh, okay. I was already, oh, gotcha. the, I was, was already, already well in. Gotcha. He was lying. Gotcha. I had a letterman's, it was a letterman's jacket at that point. Oh, gross. <laughs> Sorry. Thanks. No, I know. It's, it's. It's a ter- it's a terribly hard and confusing and weird thing to talk about all at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Alex, did you have an experience with it? Uh, so still waiting to get the talk. Yeah, right? I'm still waiting to get the talk. <laughs> no, I never got the talk. What? I was gypped. Oh. Uh, but I also didn't like ask for it. Uh, as I mentioned before, I'm still a virgin. Uh, <laughs> uh but <laughs> No, no one knows me on here. Um, this is this is me literally screaming into a cacophony that is the internet. Um, but anyway, uh, someone please help me. You're gonna get all of these um, like proposals to take your virginity yeah, from people. Please, anyone doesn't matter. 
human, whatever. Uh, um, no, we do not endorse that. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> um, so anyway, the I went through family life education as part of our uh, public school system. So I learned through that. And I think my parents just assumed like, oh, he's getting everything that he needs to know. And, and truthfully, uh, probably wasn't everything that we needed to know, but pretty good overall. What I mean, grade was that? So it starts when you're in, I want to say like first or second grade and they start like, but they, they titrate it based on like what that age can handle. So it's like really simple first. So that way it's not like, oh, you're, you know, the stork is coming and bringing in babies. Like they're trying to like ramp it up. So it's like science is real. Mm. Um, Okay. And so, you know, you go through all these different phases and by the time you get to the end that's when you get like the uh i I don't think it's an x-ray shot i think it's like an infrared or some kind of like ct scan of like a penis going into a vagina and like uh ejaculating and so like that's like that's like the explanation that that's like the climax that's the money shot yeah yeah Yeah. it's the money shot it's the money (laughs) shot so uh, yeah so that's what i got and and i i don't distinctly remember having any conversations with my parents i remember the first time that i I heard about sex was from my cousin um and we were in we were in canoes or kayaks or something like that we were like on a river (laughs) and like my dad and and my uncle were like way far behind us and he was like hey you hear about sex (laughs) and i was like no hand me that fishing rod (laughs) it was a real fishing rod it wasn't his penis (laughs) okay okay I'm not getting That's, freaky. It was like, in West yeah. Virginia, but I'm not getting freaky with my cousin <laughs> so at that like point in time. A lot of guys would ask each other, have you heard of sex? Both of you had that experience. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I think it's, it has to do with bragging rights. Like who found out first? Mm, and the yeah. answer is always not the person <laughs> who is telling the story. Because right. the other person, like they were telling this story 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 right. years ago. Mm-hmm. I think it's, and I think if you you if you have an older sibling, because I was the oldest. Me too. So if you have that older sibling, you sort of have then a leg up because then, with that knowledge that they have, they're gonna let something slip at some point. Like they're gonna say something or something's gonna come out, and you're gonna be like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> you know. And kids these days, I hate the fact that I just said kids these days <laughs> Ugh. are, are you know they have more accessibility to be able to find a lot of information True. about it. You know. I would have had to pull out an Encyclopedia Britannica, <laughs> like S. S. Yeah. <laughs> been like, gonna and look this up. And then quickly to P, and then <laughs> quickly to V. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I remember a friend came over in maybe like fourth or fifth grade with a cassette tape with the song, Let's Talk About Sex on it. Mm. And mm. we played it on my cassette player in my room really softly so my parents wouldn't hear. But we just wanted to hear what, what they were talking about. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the first... Uh, first porno mag i saw was like a playboy and it was like in the woods like oh, i feel like it was every, like the, i feel like it was like in the woods boy, in a tree house yeah. every boy has like an in the woods porno yes. story or like a found found porno thing where they're like yo that video place that has the adult section i was out back and they had a bunch of tapes and they dumped them in the trash threw them away <laughs> And I grabbed two of them. You want That's, to borrow one? Yeah, like, it's always yes, like, yes, I do. It's always like when my uncle wasn't looking. He took too much <laughs> vitamin C that day, fell asleep, started getting frothy at the mouth, and I just Snatch. took all his. I took like three of them. It was nineteen. It was it was December of ninety six, and like June of of two thousand one. So like he'll never know. He's got every month, but he'll never look back that far. We we had this kid 
in my middle school named Todd. No, and Todd. Todd. Ugh, yeah, I know. Todd's dad it was one of those people who like dubbed VHSs from like a blockbuster. Like <laughs> he was in the time like where then a couple years later, like when people were dual, burning DVDs, he, like, he, had, he had a dual, dual VCR. Yeah, he had a dual VCR, and so he was recording all these VHS tapes. But he was also like, and he had like a, an entire binder with a log of like where everything was. And in there was an entire adult section. I feel like, so, I feel like what is the index of that? Like there's a Pruder film, then all the pornos that he copied. <laughs> like, how does that work? Yeah, you do I, A to Z and then you start over <laughs> with porn. I actually think that that's what it does. It yeah. was like oh, regular yikes. movies that people would watch A to Z. And then it was like adult. <laughs> and then it just like by title. And we had, I remember there were like two years in a row where he had a sleepover at his dad's house. And like, our moms should not have let us gone. Yeah, that was a mistake. It was a total mistake. Come on, it was Todd. You know, it was, you know, but I mean, it was something where like his dad was like, I'm going to go drink and like left the house. And then we ended up watching like one or two pornos. And, like, our, our small minds were blown. Yeah. See, that doesn't happen with girls. We never find porn mags in the woods or we're not I mean, it's finding probably, our like aunt's stash of porn. It's like, probably safer in the long run. Maybe. Honestly. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be honest. Uh, it's a better experience if you don't find it. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. Because the thing is, is like how many people have jerked off and touched that magazine that you're just getting for like your poor little virgin hands touching that magazine that's just been soiled. Yeah. I'm going to go out and and say this hot, hot take. Uh, Found porn is not good porn. (laughs) If you ever find something, it's something. We had nothing. I mean, if you ever find a stash of porn in general that is not your stash. You don't want it. Yeah. Put police tape over top (laughs) of it. Back away. It's a... Call nine one one. It is a crime scene. It's probably a trap. <laughs> a net's gonna fall down. <laughs> Chris Hansen pops out of the woods. Hey kids, it's me, Dateline NBC. He's very gruff in this. In this. <laughs> I mean, I was younger then, so everyone sounded more intimidating. Did Chris Hansen not pop out in the woods for you guys? No, <laughs> never. Oh, jeez. Uh, one of the big questions that I know that we we've kind of discussed in our pre-show was. Does this show actually do a good job of talking about puberty? And so I, I think we all have our own individual stories. Hopefully everybody who's listening has their own too. Please feel free to like share them with us over social media. These, yes. I mean, these things, I think the porn in the woods, I feel like is a universal story <laughs> that has kind of almost hit myth. It's like chupacabra uh, in terms of its cryptid nature of handing it down from person to person, generation after generation. Uh, hopefully maybe one day we can break the cycle yeah. <laughs> um, of not finding in the woods porno. I mean, I don't think it probably, it probably doesn't happen like that as much anymore because yeah. of the internet. Like why do that? I guess. Times you have to find an uh, old laptop in the woods. Oh with, like, man. A <laughs> <laughs> search that's, history that's of... terrifying. <laughs> hey, did you guys find out? I found this old iPad and it doesn't have parental uh, <laughs> controls on it. Wow. Guys want to, guys want to find a Wi-Fi signal and, and search the word porn? <laughs> Windows 95 machine so confusing. <laughs> it's going to take a long time. I felt like uh, internet porn in the age of dial-up really taught me patience. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. Who needs to learn how to meditate when you got that? That was my zen in the art of motorcycle. Yeah. In like 96, 97, 98. <laughs> you were just taking slow, deep breaths as you waited for it to load. <laughs> it, was like a, it was a grand reveal. It was like each line of the photo as it loaded. It's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And then it switches. It's just a car. It's just like 
a fully clothed person person next to a car it's like you see the the face you see the hair it starts with the like the eyes you're like oh this is gonna be good and, and then, like and then turtleneck. Keeps, yeah, it's turtleneck. It's 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 about as close as you can get. It's just a nun. It's a nun. Damn it. She has a sign that just says shame. Yeah, shame. Fuck what me. have you done? That was one of my most favorite lines I wrote down from the show. It's Andrew's mom, and they're asking. It's the episode with the shame wizard, and they ask her oh, what she's okay. afraid of, ashamed of, and she goes, "I'm ashamed of everything. It's my great shame." <laughs> just along the same lines, uh, Isabel, is there? like a favorite moment or like a, a, a quote that you kind of pulled out of this show that kind of encapsulated this. I think we have your, your mm. shame wizard line, Alex, anything from you? Oh man. So like in terms of takeaways, like the things that really stick with me are the non sequitur jokes, right. just because I love that so much yeah. from a comedic standpoint, like the, you and I were the other day, we we're talking about the ladybug joke. <laughs> it's always at the end. I always feel like the strong ones are at the end of the episode too. Um, and there's so much just peppered in, like so many jokes that are in the background. The non sequitur bit that we were talking about that made me laugh so uncontrollably hard is at the end of episode one, season two, where Coach Steve, who I think might arguably be my favorite character, yeah, uh, tells everybody he has a, a, a he's deathly allergic to to dairy, mm-hmm. and then the end of the episode shows him basically drinking milk, and then in like a in a very easy simple format the the rest of the episode the outro is just pictures of him ingesting like other milk it's him like <laughs> taking a picture and he's eating a wheel of cheese yep. Yep. it's him like on a crash cart yep. like yep. it's him waking up in uh it's, it's all time dashes yeah and it's, it's just all these like fun dashes that they have and then it ultimately ends up with him in a in like a barnyard uh, sucking on a ca- like a cow's teat, and but the cow is then throwing up. <laughs> like, and it was he transferred it. Was, it. it was so dumb. It was so dumb, and I laughed so fucking hard. Yeah, that and anything to do with the pillow girlfriend and uh, and scorpion. I don't know why the anthropomorphic nature of things that get sexy in this show is so satisfying and weird at the same time especially with jay i mean the jay character just the the level of perversion and the journey that he really goes through in the first and then especially the end of the second season is just bonkers yeah. well, like when I he mean, starts bonding with coach steve i yeah. that was one part i did enjoy I mean, like gary's too low yeah. yeah two lost souls yeah that listening whole, to listening ugh. to coach steve talk about how to have sex was so funny I love that he's a health teacher. Yeah. That's so great. He's like, like I made the gym and thick in the bed or something. I made, yeah, the, the thick and the warm. The thick and the warm. Oh. I mean, that's that's essentially the education I got. I, I had a, uh, I had a, it was a PE teacher who was also our sex ed teacher. Mm-hmm. What do I care? He's not listening to this. Mr. Holstead. And it was something where like whenever he would say the word penis, his mouth would move in like a circle. He'd be like, so today we're going to talk about the penis oh no like, what the fuck was he for doing listeners it? sean's mouth just went in a circle like five times <laughs> yeah it was like he was drawing circles with his lips mm-hmm. it was very weird did he do that because it was like a nervous tick because he didn't want to talk about penis or that would was... be my guess i mean I, I i believe so i look nobody in sixth grade was going to be like hey why uh, are you doing that coach why are you being weird about this but he i would have he would do it Every, I totally would have. I know you would have. I wasn't that brave <laughs> at like 10, 11. 
So we just sat there and just giggled the whole time like maniacs until we left the room and we're just like, do you see his fucking weird face, lip, circle thing? And everybody knew that it was happening. It was so weird. Yeah. I wouldn't have asked him in front of everyone. I would have asked him in private. I would have been like, what's going on with that? Like, is that something that I should be doing? Because I would start to feel really self-conscious about how I said penis. Well, I think from now on when you say penis, you should probably circle your, your mouth and your lips like that. Like, Yeah, I mean, you weren't looking at me when I was talking into the microphone, but I did do that. Oh, okay. <laughs> Great. Perfect. I've, I've already learned. Any, any particular moments or sort of uh, things that you had, Isabel, that were kind of that perfect encapsulation? And then I want to dig into whether or not we felt that this show did a good job of discussing puberty with us. Um, another part that made me laugh a lot was, well, yeah, it's the, the side things. It was the um, Andrew's dad getting so focused and the rabbi getting so focused on the parking spaces. Do you remember? Yeah. Like yeah. Andrew's yeah. trying to find out about sin and, yeah. and they just cannot answer his questions because they're just obsessed with the parking spaces. Yeah. I don't know. Stuff like that makes me laugh really hard. But my big beef with the show is... I feel like it's pretending like it's trying to help young people by giving them like a vocabulary and by discussing things that aren't normally discussed. But I do not think the show's audience should be young people because I think it's way too adult. So it's like, I think there's a mismatch. I think the audience is adults who are going to laugh at this portrayal of like kids in puberty. But if that's the audience, there doesn't need to be any lessons or teaching, right? Because adults are already grown up. If the audience is younger middle schoolers, then yeah, I could see why there's such a push at the end of every episode for like body positivity or whatever, you know, whatever lesson they're trying to get across. Sure. But I really hope middle schoolers are not watching well, this show. They 100% are watching this That's show. That's terrible because yeah. this show is so filthy and so crass and so mean-spirited. That's what I wrote down. This yeah. is a very mean-spirited show. Like I wrote down 80% mean-spirited, 20% positive. And that's a generous estimation yeah. yeah i mean i i can i can say just from like firsthand experience like middle schoolers are definitely watching this show and high schoolers too and yeah. the thing is is it's like they're using this language in like fifth grade and like fourth grade already yeah so like it's the thing is is it's like at what point do we determine and say okay like this is just how the world is and how people talk and we say like eh, it is what it is and just embrace it and like try to look at the positive of what the show is doing like i don't know for me i i totally agree like there are certainly things where it's like eh, i don't know if i would want my like middle school age kid watching the show mostly just because there are lines where it's like is it at what point can someone who's young discern the difference between right we're making fun of like the hormonal tendencies of someone feeling like that irrational urge to like steal from a store and at what point is it's like oh like my hormone like i think it's pretty clear that it's like oh it's a hormone monster but at the same time it's like oh well everyone does it and then it's like that encouragement through there mm -hmm. I, I can see that argument for sure um i think for me just because i i just hear it all the time in like school hallways where people are just like it's the language is like Cool. Wow. Like, I think I have a foul mouth. It's like, it's way worse <laughs> wow. than like you could even imagine. Um, so, you know, if you embrace that idea, like I do like a lot of the messages that exist within the show. Um, I really like the episode in season uh, two that is like the 
little vignettes that are about various reproduction and um, yeah. like the yeah. the episode that's focused on um, Planned Parenthood more or less. And 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 I love the just the the nuanced jokes from within that episode where it's like, well, I'm gonna get death threats on Twitter. Like it's like breaking the the fourth wall there. Like yeah. that that's fantastic in my mind. And I think it's like I don't think at first they realized the maybe they did but i honestly think probably more or less it was someone convinced them and said like you have a, a platform here and like you have a choice as to how you use said platform and i think there was a conversation that occurred and someone clearly convinced them that it's like well if you're going to talk about like these things that are actually real that people may go through when they you know experience sexual intercourse at an early stage in their life then maybe these things actually need to be discussed versus just plastered on the wall as like these are all bad or, you know, misinformation or whatever it may be. Because even though, the, like, it was a lot of jokes, it was like, no, this is, like, also somewhat accurate. I mean. Kind of informative. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's really kind of the line that I've drawn with the show. Yeah. Is that it, it is crass and it, it does use a lot of uh, very blue humor. But at the same time, it, it's it's getting actual solid information across. And if you need to use humor as the vehicle in order to deliver factual information about, you know, sex, about, you know, how to treat other people as yeah. they're going through this, um, you know, the dynamics of relationships that you have. I mean, even in the first season, there's a lot of kind of uh, conflict that you have between Nick and Andrew where there's jealousy. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a lot of challenging feelings that they have. And so I, I'm, I, I'm going to venture to say that we've all had feelings like that, like when we were growing up and those are hard conversations to have. And so if there is a little bit of kind of uh, humor that's dropped along the way in order to kind of help break some of that tension, but also deliver like, Hey, this is a healthy way of dealing with this, or this is a good conversation to have, or you know what? You're not alone in this, this sense. Cause that, I mean, the whole idea of, of Nick just saying that like, being comfortable and growing into his own with being, uh, what is he, uh, calls him like a, like, his hormone monster calls him like little dick boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, I want to be a big dick boy. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> like I want to be a big dick boy. And mm-hmm. like, and just kind of like really kind of coming into his own. That's the wrong <laughs> yeah. turn of phrase. It's okay. And it happens to all of us. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it, it's, it, it's the idea that they're, they are delivering good information and they're doing it in a way that I think, because we're not growing up in this time, nor do any of us have any children. Uh, I, I, to Alex's point, I think kids are talking this way. When I yeah. see younger people that are having these discussions that are talking about things, it's just like these things are they're very brutally honest. And when they have misinformation, I feel like that really does them a disservice. Yeah. And so, so it's like ignoring the problem or not. It's interesting because, I, I mean, I have a dark sense of humor, uh, if you have not picked up on that already in this <laughs> no. episode. No way. What? what? Um, so like for me, when someone says fuck, I don't see that as the joke within the show. And I can understand for the average person who may not use language that is that vulgar, that they perceive that as being the joke of the show. But I look at that as like the colloquial norms of these characters. Right. Um, so if, you know, if that's within your language wheelhouse and it's not like intended to be the joke. Then you have to look at like the more nuanced elements of the show, and it's like that's where the jokes exist. It's like if bad language is a part of your lexicon, yeah, it's never going to be the punchline, yeah. And so you actually have to look for, 
I, I don't think you have to look very hard in this show, but you like the humor is there in terms of the interactions and those really weird, awkward situations that they put these characters into Yeah, for things that, you know, I'm going to venture to say are very real and true to life for kids that, you know, are, are coming to age in, in 2018. Yep. I mean, I mentioned Freaks and Geeks earlier. I think that's another good show to, to, to look at from the standpoint of at least a boy's perspective of, of puberty. Um, and like going through that show, obviously it was on uh, over the air network. So like the language that they could use is very different. And I think there are a lot of elements of that show where it's like, ah, this does not feel realistic. And maybe it was to the 80s, but I doubt it. Like I think boys were probably being more crass than what they were portrayed as in the show. Uh, so I think that's one thing. Like this show is a step beyond norm. It's like uh, an exaggeration. But I do think there is something of truth in there. I mean, the language doesn't bother me at all. It's more the graphicness of, I think, especially the monster that talks to Andrew. Is it yeah. Andrew's monster? Yeah. It, he says the most like depraved stuff as oh, if it's Maurice. no big uh-huh. deal. Yeah. And he talks a lot. He gets a lot of lines. And it's it's his lines that make me cringe the most because I'm yeah. like, this is inappropriate for I think, middle I think I think it's like a, a good representation though of like the fucked up thoughts that like people have when they're going through puberty mm. and like the like sexual urges and desires where it's like I, like I mean there are definitely things where it's like I remember as a kid like why did I just masturbate to that <laughs> like it goes through uh a- Andrew like it's the like tomato yeah the tomato and like all <laughs> these other that. things yeah. so like that kind yeah. of context of just like these like just awful things that are happening and then you have you ever heard of like the, the, the idea of like you ejaculate or you come and then you have clarity yeah. a moment mm-hmm. of clarity afterwards yeah. so I think that's kind of like what that monster is portraying it's like you go through all this like chaos and like this cacophony of just disaster in your mind and then you like come and you're like oh no <laughs> I, I I love I love the idea too of just Andrew's hormone monster Maurice showing up and Andrew immediately being intensely embarrassed about the entire situation and he's like if you want me to leave you know what you got to do <clears throat> you got to rub one out buddy yep. Yep. and it's like because that's I mean, the release that's like what yeah. gets him to go away and I mean I, I the <laughs> opposite of a genie in a bottle <laughs> yeah <laughs> you got to rub and he goes inside <laughs> oh boy uh, I but I, I mean there definitely is something to be said about the like you know <laughs> the idea of just masturbating and then being like, oh, I can now move on with the rest of my day. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what that was. Maybe it was just, uh, you know, uh, self gratification uh, for the fact of just basic self maintenance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then being like, great, I got that out of my way. I can now go do all the things mm-hmm. I have to today. Have they shown any of the girl characters masturbating or is it only the guys? Yes, they have. Oh, they have really? shown. Yeah. Okay. They do show female characters. Oh, okay. I think uh, especially towards the end of season two, they okay, get a lot into it. I think the, the the biggest complaint I have with the show is so like one I don't think it's a tool to like teach anyone anything. Um, so, uh, so if, if we, <laughs> what are you gonna do? If, if we take <laughs> that if we take that off the table and just look at it as like a form of entertainment, I think it's it's great. Um, but like one of the issues that I have is is if we do look at it from the context of it's trying to push something, push an agenda, push a thought, which I mean it definitely is to a certain extent. Did an episode on Planned Parenthood. Um, so in the big scheme of things, I don't like the arc that Jesse's character has gone through very much. Mm-hmm. Um, because I feel like she was like the most mature level-headed down to earth. Like she like understood. And then now she's making like crazy rational decisions, which 
is probably true. I'm not uh, a female, surprise, uh, in case anyone was wondering out there. Um, so I don't know what that is like. I, I can I can associate myself with the male characters in the show and be like, yep, that makes sense. Um, but I don't know if like she would have been that level headed and, you know, down to earth and then like would have immediately like and maybe it is just like lashing out like well, being you know like what? I'm going to steal from this CVS for no reason or the store. Sometimes these things are written and they're not intended for you. I know. I know. I mean they do tie it really strongly to her parents divorce and they're yeah, trying to make it yeah, seem like it's yeah, like yeah, a yeah. cause it's and effect. Yeah. 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 I just like my, like you know when they're when they're doing strong female characters and then like it's like ah we're going to just write that completely off. It was like her character completely changed and maybe that was the purpose. Um but I feel like she was like a good like buoy to the entire piece where it was like everyone else is an idiot mm-hmm. i've got this whole thing figured out and ma- now she doesn't so I, I mean i still very much enjoy the character so i mean it's almost as if what i'm hearing you say is that character is going through changes, changes. yeah yeah okay yeah well this makes sense <laughs> signing off um but don't you guys feel like overall the the female like i watched recently the episode i don't know that character lola they really make a lot of fun of her the kind of like the gravelly voice blonde girl who's yes. like really pushy and yeah, stuff. And yeah, yeah. among the female characters, whenever there's a scene with like Lola and that other popular girl and then Jesse and Missy and whoever, there's a lot of like putting each other down. There's a lot of We like, need more we need more background on that character. I mean we know like she has like an apartment to herself or whatever. Like she like She did get humanized in that one. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we need we need like more on her oh, so that way it's not just, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we need more on her so that way it's not just like ripping into her exactly. for no reason because exactly. we don't know what the background is and all right. that i mean yeah. i think that the challenging thing that you know they 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 bring up when they introduce in the second season was sort of the whole idea of the shame wizard is mm. that you know there's there's an intense insecurity yeah within this character and you could tell from the fact that you know she lives by herself in a condo that there's a lot of neglect mm-hmm. as well and so she's trying to make that microwave dinner just by thawing it in the mm-hmm. faucet in yeah. the warm yeah. water that was very sad <laughs> yeah uh you know and so to to see kind of that those character traits is challenging because then you kind of see that manifest in a way where she's, she's lashing out. She's very brazen about the things that she's doing. She's almost given complete adult autonomy and carte blanche over her entire life. And it's really now kind of how she wants to lead, how she sort of wants to, to live and who she wants to interact with in those moments and that's hard because at that age, those decisions are are not are not good. But don't you yeah. feel like the show is like making fun of her for being gross and for being, you know, ridiculous? The laughs are at her expense so much. I would, I would, I think they are. I, I think, I think she's the easy target. Yeah. I think for me, it was a little bit of a combination because it was there, kind of provide a foil for Andrew. Mm. Um. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that's necessarily the best way to to make her into a punchline. Um, yeah, because yeah, I mean she's abusive of him, like yeah. manipulative yeah. At, yeah. at the very least. Um, so you know, from that standpoint, it's it's tough because at what point do we say like, no, this is entertainment and just like a slice of life within the reality of being like a, an exaggeration of slice of life within being you know a teenager or prepubescent or pubescent you know, boy or girl. So it's, it's tough. I mean, I think the realities are like people do get made fun of. So yeah, for that not to exist might be a disservice to be like, nope, everything's good here with these people. Yeah. They're just, trying but to... no one, I think the problem is there have been no consequences. I think mm. that's what it is. 
I think the consequences for her was that, you know, she was really into Andrew and that she was very happy. And, and in a sense, she had kind of found family yeah. in his family. And because of sort of that ab- abuse, because of how she was treating him, you know, he was not interested yeah. anymore. And so yeah. he kind of, but again, the way he, his actions and how he operated with knowing full well that he was not interested in her in general, yeah. but still goes through with a, with a sexual act. Rubbing fronts, yeah. With rubbing fronts is, I, I think that's still, it's an interesting way to kind of address that problem of like, I like you, but at the same time, like I've got weird puberty urges and that should almost have been more of the, the focus of this is like, how do you, how do you check these things? Yeah. Like, you know, but I, I think the challenging thing is that at no point in this show are they ever really trying to make the delineation of what's right and what's wrong. Yeah. You know, no, I agree. I they're agree. trying at some points to say, this is a message or this is a healthy way to deal with this, or these are common problems that kids are going to have, but they're never saying like, this is the right thing to do, or this is the wrong thing to do in those circumstances, in a lot of those circumstances and situations. They're not telling you how to do it. They're just simply saying, these are some things that you might run into that potentially might be problems. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that that kind of goes along the same lines of the thesis statement that I would give this entire show, which is something they say multiple times in the first episode is everything is embarrassing. Mm. Yep. And, and that, that for me just kind of really solidified my view for this show is that every single thing that's in here is going to be embarrassing. It's not going to be right. It's not going to be wrong. Always in No, you're right. Like when um Jesse gets her period on the school field trip, like I once got my period on a field trip and didn't know it. And I was walking up a street and my friend Grace and her boyfriend Nate were behind me and it was like somewhere in high school. I don't remember, like ninth or tenth grade, pretty early. And I remember Nate came up and was like, Oh, you have blood on your shorts. And I was like, What? And it just, you know, obviously put me right in my head. And we were about to go to like some baseball field just for like some outdoors field trip to a field you know oh. so there were like no bathrooms yeah. and I just remember like sitting by myself in the grass for like hours and just being like in a state of panic because I didn't know what to do or you know just and gonna sit here yes hide <laughs> nothing's wrong <laughs> yeah she was oh. wearing like a, a 9-11 commemorative flag <laughs> and like a bunch of I mean that's just really funny <laughs> that's really funny and that's the thing that's why I love this show so much is that it's just so dark and twisted and if you take it for what it is, which is just a fucked up show, <laughs> it's fantastic. I, I love that. It sure that. is. It sure um, is. Yeah. I, I cannot get enough of this show. I, I like uh, a great example is uh, in season two when uh, the hormone monster gets hit by a car or like that, that bus multiple times, like the moving trucks. Yeah. I had to stop it and I paused it and it's it's ads for Jay's dad's law firm. Yeah. I love that it. running joke about yeah. like, oh, I heard that on a commercial and it's uh, always a line that's really. It's like the stuff is so deeply intertwined in the show. And I think that's like, I love the randomness of a lot of the jokes and I just love that this like, it nothing is at face value right. with the show. It's fantastic. It reminds me of, so my favorite show you guys know is King of the Hill. And Mm -hmm. there are a lot of episodes that deal with the same exact stuff. So there's one where they come home after a summer being apart and Joseph, Bobby's best friend, has grown a foot and um, his voice has changed. And Bobby is still the same height with the same voice. And it's like all about the jealousy and all that. There's another episode where Connie stays with the Hills for a weekend, gets her period for the first time. Hank, Peggy's out, so um, out of the house. So Hank has to deal with it. So he takes her to the uh, like grocery store and the episode's called 
aisle 8A because it's like the aisle he'd never mm-hmm. been down, you know, and it's all about him like being able to figure yeah. it out. So, yeah. but I think that show handles it better <laughs> because to me, the characters on that show are much more three-dimensional and have a lot of detail to them. Whereas I feel like these characters in Big Mouth, and maybe it's because it's only two seasons, yeah. but they don't have quite that depth. I think it's like a, a pedal to the metal farce, this mm-hmm, show. Mm-hmm. And I mean, look no further than the ghost of Duke Ellington. Oh, I do like him. Oh, so funny. Yeah. So funny. Is that Jordan Peele? Yes. Yeah. 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 It's so funny. I just love that it's just like this like drug-addled yeah. like ghost that's like, oh, I made, I made a lot of bad decisions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have, we have voice cast from Nick Kroll, John Mulaney, Jesse Klein, Jason Manzoukas, Jenny Slate, Fred Armisen, Maya Rudolph, Jordan Peele. Yes. Yeah. And some of those, like, I hear voices now, and then I have to go look up on Wikipedia, like, um, Kristen John. Bell's the the pillow. Who is Kristen, Kristen Bell. Bell? Yeah, and um, yeah, that's right. Uh, John Gemberling is a voice, mm-hmm. and um, Neil Casey is a voice. So you get a lot of cool improvisers. Right, Zach Woods is yes, one of the, the socks. socks. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> also Jack McBrayer is one of the pubic hairs, and yes. Craig Robinson. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yep. yeah. Mm-hmm. So you you get you get so many interesting characters and it's so many voices that heard out of context really make you kind of pause and then jump to an IMDb page to be mm-hmm. like, who was that pubic hair? Yeah. And speaking of, um, Andrew's mom is played by Paula Pell, who's mm-hmm. like that really great writer, yes. yeah. but she hasn't been on many shows that I know of. So yeah. I was really excited to see her and I think she kills it. Yeah. I think, I think I don't really like what Nick Kroll does. I don't like his other works, but I love this show. Um, and I don't know if that's just, him surrounding himself with the right people for this or, or finding if it's, his right subject matter or if he found the right subject matter that just fits my interests um i don't know but i just love it it's great well we're gonna get into our reviews in a moment but hey you listening right now yeah you oh boy do you have opinions and you post so many of them on the internet so we're gonna hand this over to longtime listener in front of the show bobby anthem for this week's love it or hate it bobby Take it away. This week's Love It is titled Puberty Gone Right from Soft Spoken Ghost in September 2017. It says, Now, this topic is rarely discussed like it's not a thing, but it is, and many girls and boys feel alone about it. The show not only isn't afraid to talk about it, but it makes it hilarious and normal. The show is rated MA for mature audiences, so expect some adult content. I mean, the whole show does revolve around going through changes. Nick and Andrew are the two main boys who are awkward tweens. Then there's Jay, also a tween with an over-sexualized imagination. And Jesse and Missy are the two main girls. The hormone monster and the hormone monstrous guide the opposite sex on their journey through puberty. Add ghosts, a talking statue of liberty, and genitals that have eyes, and you can't get more hilarious than that. 10 out of 10. Would recommend. Puberty doesn't have to be an uncomfortable topic, and that's what Big Mouth strives to teach. And our Hate It is titled, It's Bad, from Cassiark in October 2017. It says, It's extremely crude, full of obvious, mostly unfunny jokes. Occasionally, the show will seemingly almost by accident happen upon a mildly funny joke, but this is an uncommon occurrence. The worst part is that none of the characters are remotely likable. I could get over the humor or lack thereof if there were at least one character in the show I wanted to see succeed, but alas, they're all terrible. 
If you don't think the giant walking penises or the word fuck is hilarious, you probably won't like it. Three out of ten stars. Fantastic, as always, Bobby. Thank you so much. I think Isabel might agree with some of the hate it that we had for this. I do. I, I, it's just not my cup of tea, and I understand like it's good qualities, and hearing you guys talk about the good qualities is definitely reminding me of them. And I have to say, like a lot of times when you mention a bit, I remember it fondly and remember laughing. Mm-hmm. But overall, it's it's too mean spirited for me, so I give it a thumbs down. Oh, you so you are not recommending Big Mouth? No, you are not recommending. Mm. I recommend King of the Hill. Fair, <laughs> fair, fair enough. All right, Alex, recommend or not recommend? And remember, listeners, if Alex decides, or from Isabel, if she would like to give this the dip, you have the opportunity to give this the dip and erase this from the annals of cartoon history. She's not going to dip it by the fact that she's shaking her head, but she's also not going to recommend this. Alex. Uh, So I love this show. I love it so much. Uh, I had not seen it uh, when the first season came out. And when the second season came out, I just immediately started like pounding through all the episodes. I was really pounding those episodes, guys. (laughs) Just day in, morning, noon, and night. I was just, I was enjoying myself (laughs) while enjoying them. Uh, to completion. To completion. That's exactly right. <laughs> uh, so I would definitely give this uh, a thumb way up. It could be in an orifice or it could not be. Oh. You know, it just depends on whatever you're interested in. Uh, but I, I, I definitely highly endorse this show. I think there's so many nuanced jokes to it. I, I think it's fantastic. Uh, I'm going to also recommend Big Mouth. I, I feel that this, this is one of those rare kind of unique gems that is able to, uh, to handle topic that is as touchy and as complicated as puberty with levity with crassness i love the fact that they also even break the fourth wall at the end of the first season with maurice kind of looking at you and saying simply like we wouldn't have been able to tackle this if this was a live show mm-hmm. how creepy would that mm-hmm. have been if this was yeah. something oh my in god that case? like we had to do this in an animated version like the korean spa episode yeah Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, there's no there's... possible way that you could have this dialogue, or at least begin to initiate the dialogue similar to the one that we've had tonight, without this being in an actual animated form. Otherwise, we would all be locked up. Yeah, because totally. I mean, I was shocked when there was like the nudity Me of the too. characters. Oh yeah, I was like, Me yeah. too. How is this even a thing that they can do? I was like, but I don't like this. Cartoon is cartoon, I guess. I guess. Um. Yeah, I would go as far to say that I think it's one of my favorite cartoons. Wow. Impressive, right? Interesting. Uh, yeah. I just, I really enjoy it that much. No. I, I, I normally don't laugh that much during cartoons, uh, and this one really gets me. I'll also say, I think one of the reasons that I love this so much is I really love hearing people's childhood stories similar to what we've talked about tonight so that's if anybody's listening and they're just like why did they talk so much about them as kids it's 100 percent why i love hearing those stories i think there's something that's always relatable and very compelling about what other people's trials and tribulations when they were growing up and sort of what their process and mental state was during that time again sort of the obsessions and compulsions that we talked about this evening i think those things are wildly entertaining and very fascinating to help you get to know a person yeah. And so I appreciate you guys sharing all of your stories with me tonight. Yeah, thanks yeah. for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Super fun. So we are now at the end of our episode. So Isabel Galbraith, thank you so much for being here. Alex Beard, thank you so much for being here. Isabel, anything that you would like to plug and where could the people potentially find you on social media? 
Um, on social media, I'm on Instagram at, um, I guess, Isabel.Galbraith. And um, I have a few performances coming up in November and December at Washington Improv Theater. Um, but it's with various groups, so um, it'd be hard to figure that out. Well, but <laughs> we will, I'll put a link to okay. your profile on the WIT uh, page. They took it down. The show notes. They took it down after I left Madeline. Okay. Really fast, I have to say. <laughs> but um, but yeah. Um, and then I'm also going to be doing some stand up in the future. So if you see me, um, yeah, on an nice. open mic night list, come check it out. Okay. Excellent. Thank you, Alex. Anything that you're up to, it is November 19th. Anything that you have going on in the future? Yeah, I'm just trying to figure out how I can get out of this cage that you have me trapped in in your basement. That's like priority number one. What are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do? I need to get out of here. Uh, you can find me. Alex. <laughs> Someone help. This is a call for help, please. It's been a call for help all episode. <laughs> yep. Uh, you can find me at Mr. Alex Beard. Uh, pretty much all the various social media sites. Feel free, search me, uh, maybe friend me, maybe become friends with me. Uh, and you can also see me performing at the Washington Improv Theater uh, with our, our dear friend here, Mr. Sean Ellis. Boy, before we get into my plugs, uh, you heard him on this week's show, our friend, we love him, Bobby Anthem. You can hear him on his paranormal podcast, Inhuman Experience. Find them on Twitter at IEXP underscore podcast. You can also find their episodes on Spreaker and SoundCloud. He's also the occasional third co-host on the THT Movie Review Podcast, which broadcasts every Saturday night at 1130 Eastern Standard on Mixler. You can also find him on Twitter at Bobby Anthem. Send him a message, show him some love. He is simply the best. And we've also been able to, as of November 1st, yes, 18 days ago, we accomplished our task of getting Bobby Anthem animated in the style of Bob's Burgers. So we love Bobby for that. So thank you, Bobby, for everything you do. As for me, I perform with a group that's called Knox. That's N-O-X exclamation point. We perform with Washington Improv Theater. You can find tickets and times with dc.org. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Sean Paul Ellis. Hey, want to support us? Tell a friend. Review us on iTunes. I know it's super boring. It actually really helps. Did you also know that I write suggestions in all of our show notes of what you can put in iTunes, they're also all really terrible. So go and read them. You can copy paste. I'm giving you the answers to the test, gang. You can chat us up on Twitter at Morning Tunes. Check us out on IG and Facebook at Saturday Morning Cartoons. Remember that is always morning with a U. You can find all of these links that we have on our link tree, which is in the bio for all of our social media sites. You can listen to us typically on the first and third Monday of every month on YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify wherever fine podcasts are sold. Want to send us an email? SaturdayMorningCartoons at gmail.com. Thank you guys so much for listening to everything in Netflix November. We are going to be back December 3rd for our holiday episodes. So stay tuned. Thank you guys so much for listening. Bye. Hey, everybody. Thanks a lot for listening to Saturday Morning Cartoons. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to transform and roll out.